Taryn's airport cluster is growing with four new cases added on Friday. The new cases are two cleaners who had attended a social club event in Taoyuan, one of those cleaners' family member, and an airport security guard. Also on Friday, the CECC announced that one case previously linked to the cluster had an unrelated source of infection. This case, involving a quarantine taxi driver, has been removed from the cluster. The total number of people in the airport cluster now stands at 11, down from 12. Let's hear from the CECC. Let me first explain. This pink part is the new cases we announced today. Cases number 17368, number 17369, and number 17370. They are part of the social club cluster, the source of which looks to be case number 17239. Another case is the airport security guard, who began having symptoms on Wednesday. She went to the hospital to get tested and was confirmed infected yesterday. In total, there are 12 cases, but only 10 or 11 of them appear to be a cluster. The security guard we suspect came in contact with someone else because her work at the airport puts her in contact with arrivals. However, we are still unable to verify definitely whether he is connected to the other 10 cases. So, for now, we are saying that there are 11 in the cluster. We will wait for genetic sequencing to confirm that. The quarantine taxi driver, we can say, is not part of the cluster. Although he was also infected with Omicron, the sequencing is not the same. So, we are putting the taxi driver in a separate group. As the airport cluster expands, heads of local governments are stepping up their disease prevention measures. Taipei and New Taipei have asked hospitals and long-term care facilities to temporarily halt visits. Kaohsiung hospitals have suspended all but necessary health checks, while Taoyuan is putting a hold on large-scale events. With these latest cases in the airport cluster, Taiwan is now undergoing community transmission of the Omicron COVID variant. That's according to the health minister and local experts who urged the public to take extra precautions against infection. According to a new U.S. study, Omicron spreads so easily because of its extremely rapid rate of propagation. The study showed that compared to Delta, Omicron replicates about 70 times faster in human bronchial tissue. Taoyuan's airport cluster has expanded fast. The virus has spread not only to airport staff, but to members of a Taoyuan social club as well. Even so, expert Li Bingying says the outbreak is still considered under control. What we've seen is that the infected people, whether it's the security staff, the driver, or the cleaning staff, they all had contact with a known case. There's a clear chain of infection. Given that, this situation is still within a controllable range. Meanwhile, Dr. Huang Liming says the virus has already entered the community. Those people from the Golden Voice Social Club did not go to a hospital, they didn't go abroad, and they didn't go to an airport. So, of course, these are community infections. Medical institutions in Taoyuan and the greater Taipei area need to be on alert for respiratory infections. People who go see a doctor should be asked for their contact history and their travel history. They should be screened as soon as possible. Just how transmissible is the Omicron COVID variant? According to a study by the Virginia University of Science and Technology, the Omicron variant replicates 70 times faster in the human respiratory tract compared to Delta. 48 hours after infection, its viral load will increase sharply. According to the study, anyone who breathes around an infected person will inevitably inhale the Omicron virus. 
In the U.S., where Omicron runs rampant, former White House official Rick Bright says it's time for a mask upgrade. Medical advisor Anthony Fauci and senior CDC officials all wear N95 masks in public, he said, adding that everyday Americans should follow suit to protect themselves. As Taiwan fends off an Omicron crisis, experts are urging the public to take extra precautions to keep themselves safe. With local cases on the rise, the CECC has set a contingency plan for hospitals. By the end of this week, most medical institutions in Taipei, New Taipei, Taoyuan and Jilong must vacate 20% of their inpatient beds so that there is available capacity for COVID patients. Large hospitals designated for emergency COVID treatment will need to reserve 5% of their beds. As Omicron and holiday travelers make their way into the country, border officials are on high alert. CECC Commander Chen Shizhong has ordered hospitals in northern Taiwan's four major cities to free up 20 percent of their beds within three days to make them available for COVID patients. Taoyuan has taken swift action. In addition, the city's 11 hospitals responsible for COVID treatment will need better medical equipment. Across all four cities, hospitals are expected to add a total of 1,453 additional beds for COVID patients. In the face of the highly contagious Omicron variant, a crucial task for hospitals will be to lower the risk of transmission. Taipei's Shinkong Wuhosu Memorial Hospital has prepared 26 wards for COVID patients. The wards will be clearly demarcated from regular inpatient wards and will be limited to one patient per room. The COVID wards will have separate facilities for bathing, laundry and emergency treatment. The hospital will also use clear route planning and it will assign a fixed group of staff to the area. A hospital representatives said these are measures learned from experience gained during an outbreak in May last year, after which all hospitals developed response plans. Taiwanese can rest assured that our mentality is much more composed than it was when that outbreak occurred last May. Hospitals are calm, but the public remains concerned. If a major outbreak occurs, they worry it could impact regular outpatients or those in hospital for surgery. Taiwan reported 58 imported COVID cases on Friday, the highest number to date. Over the past week, 79 imported cases have involved Omicron, taking the total case number to 145. To combat the spread of the new variant, the CECC announced Friday that it's shortening the wait time for boosters from five months to 12 weeks effective immediately. Let's hear from the CECC. We held a specialist's meeting yesterday and reached a consensus. Starting January 7th, third shots can be taken after 12 weeks by anyone 18 or older who already had their first two shots and for whom a booster is recommended. In terms of vaccine brands, anyone fully vaccinated with Moderna, Pfizer or Medigen can get half a dose of Moderna or a full dose of Pfizer, Medigen or AstraZeneca. They can get a booster of any brand. The only exception is for those who've had two AstraZeneca shots. We recommend that they not get a third shot of AstraZeneca. Currently, 2.6 million people are eligible to receive a booster or a third shot of vaccine. By the end of January, 2.8 million people will be eligible. By the end of February, 5 million will be eligible. Officials predict that there will be a rush on boosters between the end of January and beginning of February. Appointments for boosters can be made directly at designated hospitals in every city, county and special municipality. 
Lunar New Year is fast approaching, and charity campaigns are kicking into high gear. New Taipei City Councilor Zhang Weiqian has launched a campaign to give away new shoes to kids for free in her local Zhonghe district. The shoes have been handmade by a local artisan with over five decades' experience. If you know a family in Zhonghe who could do with a break, make sure they know to pick up their pair. From the sole of the shoe to its tip, this shoemaker puts care into every stitch. These cotton soles are comfortable and absorb sweat. Finally, they're fixed on a high temperature, and out comes a pair of handmade children's shoes ready to wear. Two girls pick out the type of shoes they like and try them on. It's a hit. This is the second time we're doing this. We hope that our small contributions can inspire others to give as well, so that everyone in need comes over. Lunar New Year is almost upon us. For many kids, a pair of brand new shoes would be a wonderful holiday gift. New Taipei City Councilor Zhang Weiqian asked for help from this local Zhonghe craftsman, who's been making children's shoes for over 50 years. Last year, 500 pairs were sent to disadvantaged children, and this year will be no less. Every year, shoes are sent abroad to children in Africa. We just happened to get chatting over that. And then I said to him, why can't we keep that love here in Zhonghe and give disadvantaged children in Zhonghe a chance to wear new shoes? The campaign ends on January 8th. All children up to the age of eight from low- and medium-income families in New Taipei City's Zhonghe District can collect a pair of free new kicks. It's a new year for fancy footwear and community spirit. The foreign and defense ministers of Japan and the U.S. held talks on Friday over shared security issues. The so-called 2 plus 2 centered on challenges posed by China, North Korea and Russia. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken blasted Beijing for taking provocative actions that have risen tensions in the Taiwan Strait. During the talks, the two sides announced a new five-year agreement to deepen their military cooperation. It feels fitting uh, to me to start this year, 2022, by meeting again with uh, our Japanese colleagues. On January 6, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time or 7.30 a.m. today in Japan, the foreign and defense ministers of Japan and the U.S. opened 2 plus 2 talks via video link. During the meeting, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken accused Beijing and Moscow of continuing to violate international norms on land, at sea, in space, and in cyberspace. Beijing's provocative actions keep raising tensions across the Taiwan Strait and in the East South China Seas. Moscow's military buildup on Ukraine's borders and its increasingly harsh rhetoric not only threaten Ukraine's sovereignty and territorial integrity, but peace and stability across Europe. Blinken warned that Beijing and Moscow were deepening their military cooperation. He also criticized North Korea for developing nuclear weapons. Without naming names, Japanese Foreign Minister Hayashi Yoshimasa said the international community was facing multiple challenges, such as changes in the regional balance of power and unilateral coercive actions. At the meeting, the U.S. and Japan also announced a new agreement to strengthen military ties. We'll sign a new five-year host nation support framework that will invest greater resources to deepen our military readiness and interoperability. And we're launching a new research and development agreement that will make it easier for our scientists, for our engineers, and program managers to collaborate on emerging defense-related issues, from countering hypersonic threats to advancing space-based capabilities. 
Japan is battling a surge of COVID in Okinawa, which is home to dozens of American military facilities. According to local media, the outbreak began at a U.S. base. During Friday's 2 plus 2 talks, Japan's foreign minister urged the U.S. to strengthen pandemic controls at its bases to keep the outbreak from spiraling out of control. Independent lawmaker Freddie Lim is making a final push ahead of his recall election on Sunday. The lawmaker, who hopes to keep his seat in Taipei's Zhongzheng Wanhua constituency, was seen greeting voters at a local temple and market on Friday. He was joined on the campaign trail by Vice President Lai Qingde, as well as an unexpected supporter. At a Wanhua temple, Vice President Lai Qingde joins lawmaker Freddie Lim. They light incense and pray to the gods for a win in Sunday's election. Freddie Lim's performance has been outstanding. He has served the people at the grassroots very well. Such a talent must be retained in the legislature. Halfway through the vice president's speech, an unexpected guest shows up. It's Huanan Market Autonomous Association President Ling Shendong, who had been vocal in his criticism of Lim during Wanhua's COVID outbreak. But today, he's here to show his support. I thought, just go with the flow. I run into him routinely, though I was a little surprised this time. Two days before his recall election, Lim campaigned from early in the morning to nightfall. He stood on curbsides to court voters. He met up with his cousin, legislator He Xingchun, for a tour of Xining Market, where they shook hands with vendors. Lim pushed hard to reach voters at the grassroots, but the opposition camp was also at work. Taipei City Councilor Zhong Xiaoping, who initiated the recall election, held a press event with the chairman of the Broadcasting Corporation of China. I haven't been involved. Since the beginning, the KMT's Central Standing Committee has not intervened. But how many times has Tsai Ing-wen campaigned for Lim? At a time when a crisis is knocking at our country's door, at a time when Chen Shih-chung says there is community transmission, at a time when we're facing such a contagious mutant virus, this is why I've agreed to make an appearance tomorrow. I think that he is confusing cause for effect. For more than a year now, there's been a large number of recall cases. All quarters of society are sick of them. Over the past two years, we've had this epidemic, and everybody is exhausted from growing the economy. Can we stop letting the political interests of individuals manipulate the recall system? That's the appeal everyone is making. On Friday, the Taipei City Council's KMT caucus also campaigned against Lim. It held an event with former Taipei Mayor Haolongbing and former KMT lawmaker Ling Yufang, who ran twice against Lim. I, Lin Yufang, absolutely do not intend to run again for legislator. With two days to go, big names from the blue and green camps are out in force, making the final push before a high-stakes showdown. Top officials have inaugurated a new base for the Taiwan Film and Audiovisual Institute. The new facility is located in New Taipei's Xinjiang District. The opening ceremony was attended by President Tsai Ing-wen, Premier Su Zhenchang, Minister of Culture Li Yongde, and New Taipei Mayor Hou Youyi. The Taiwan Film and Audiovisual Institute is tasked with preserving Taiwan's historical films, television and broadcast materials. 
The new facility spans more than one hectare, and it houses two state-of-the-art theaters and an audiovisual library. At Friday's ceremony, Tsai said the institute would keep pace with the international trend toward digital restoration of historical materials. The institute will systematically collect, restore, and promote important Taiwanese films and help them achieve greater international recognition. Spring is gradually creeping up on us. It will be soon time for a parade of springtime flowers to burst into bloom. And perhaps none is more heavily anticipated than cherry blossoms. Wuling Farm in Taichung is considered one of the hotspots for cherry blossom viewing, with tens of thousands of cherry trees spread over the site. If you want to think ahead of time to spring, remember the cherries start blooming as soon as mid-February. A sparkling blue sky is dotted with pink stars that flutter in the breeze. These cherry trees flourish all over the hills and valleys here, creating a pink Shangri-La for visitors. Every year, the breathtaking sight attracts hundreds of thousands of flower lovers. Behind me is one of the secret wonderlands for cherry viewing here at Wuling Farm. It's called Gusong Cherry Belt because there are almost three kilometers of flowers. When the time comes, the trees will be covered in pink beauties. 2022 is just beginning, and while the cherry buds aren't open yet, you can imagine how beautiful they'll be here on the Gusong Cherry Belt. With a slope that's taller than the height of a building, there will be a sea of cherries to feast the eyes on. This year, for the first time, boutique bento boxes are on sale at the farm. Visitors will be able. To enjoy a leisurely picnic under the trees, just as if they'd taken a flight to Japan. The place with the densest concentration of cherries at Wuling Farm is Aiko Cherry Forest. Otherwise, you can walk up past Jinghua Bridge. There's a trig point near the Guanyue Pavilion at Jiaofeng Cherry Area. When you look down from there, you enjoy a stunning view of tens of thousands of cherry trees. The cherry blossom season will start on February 12th this year and last for 17 days. As before, a special cherry blossom service will shuttle visitors to the area, run by Guoguang coaches. For those who want to drive themselves, the farm has a new plan to prevent. Parking chaos. We've set up 145 CCTV cameras to focus on banned vehicles, which will go on a Wuling Farm no-entry list, and they will not be allowed back to Wuling Farm. Crowds get quite intense for the cherry viewing season, and farm managers hope their strict parking enforcement will keep anti-social parking and driving to a minimum. However, you choose to enjoy the spring, the flowers will soon be blooming. The Museum of Failure, which was founded in the Swedish town of Helsingborg, has made a stop in Taiwan. The museum showcases failed and rejected products from around the world to encourage people to take risks. Our reporter Stephanie Yang takes us in for a look. Museum features failed products and services from all around the world. For example, this mask was believed to be able to tone facial muscles using electrical stimulation. This mask is called a rejuvenique toning mask. Launched in 1999, the mask was marketed as a way to tone facial muscles and reduce wrinkles using electricity. Just wear the mask for 15 minutes, three to four times a week. The device did not pass safety tests and was only on the market for 12 months. It's actually a facial mask 
with electricity and that claims to get your skin better. But actually, um, it didn't pass any safety approval and it also looks like a horror mask in the movie. So like people don't like it and it also didn't have any beauty effects for actual use. In 2000, it wasn't uncommon for people to carry around both their mobile phones and handheld game console. Therefore, Nokia combined these two devices, launching the N-Gage in 2004. The phone was on the market for only 36 months due to design flaws. Um, it's a Nokia phone, and the biggest failure is because um, it looks like a taco. And when you like talking on the phone, you should like hold the phone like this and looks very stupid. So that's why it failed. There's also this car called the DeLorean. A retrofitted version of this car was featured in the Back to the Future movie series, where it served as a time machine. In real life, the DeLorean was marketed as a luxury sports car, but it was very slow due to its underpowered engine. Coca-Cola launched a coffee-flavored Coca-Cola when it tried to enter the specialty coffee market 10 years ago. These are just a few of the failed products and services showcased at the Museum of Failure in Taipei. The Taipei show is organized by Taiwan's Carrier Entertainment Company. The museum is actually from Sweden and it was founded by um, Dr. Samuel West in 2017. And the reason why he, want, he wants to have this museum is because he found that people always talk about um, success but not failure. And he thinks that it's not right, so he founded this museum. And so you can see that in this museum there are lots of products and innovation from different industries like food, transportation, um, medical stuff, and digital, and um, like everything that we'll see in your life. The Museum of Failure this time in Taiwan is the biggest ever. And there are over 100 exhibits in this museum and with over 60 brands displaying here. The Museum of Failure was founded in Helsingborg by clinical psychologist Samuel West in 2017. The exhibition in Taipei was first scheduled to open in June, but was delayed due to the pandemic. The postponed show opened on December 25th, 2021, and will run till March 13th at Songsan Cultural Creative Park. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang, Tencent Han, in Taipei.